Hey, everybody. Coming up on the Matt Townsend Show today, we all have stress in our lives, right? One expert we've spoken with believes stress is an epidemic in our lives. Do you think so? Is stress just so common that we don't even notice it anymore? We're talking about it after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. As rescue efforts in Moore, Oklahoma come to an end following a deadly tornado earlier this week, President Obama is now making plans to visit the area and survey the damage. The president will meet with families who have been displaced by the storm. The IRS official who is believed to be at the center of the unfair targeting of conservative groups held she has done nothing wrong at a congressional hearing today. She also declined to answer any questions regarding her involvement. FBI agents shot and killed a friend of one of the Boston Marathon bombing suspects today. The man being questioned turned violent, and the agents were forced to react with lethal force. Authorities say the man was not suspected of involvement with the Boston bombing. The Chicago School Board is voting today on a measure to close 54 schools throughout the city, which, if passed, would be the largest mass school closure in the nation's history. The schools on the chopping block are in predominantly African-American and Hispanic neighborhoods. Following a scandal last year surrounding a lewd photo posted online, former New York Representative Anthony Weiner has announced his candidacy for the New York City mayoral race. In a video announcement, Weiner says his campaign has already raised $5 million. In world news, a British soldier was beheaded on the streets of London earlier today, supposedly by two men who authorities believe were religious extremists. Soon after the attack, two men were shot and wounded by authorities and are now in custody. U.S. leaders warned they will increase support for Syrian rebels if regime President Bashir Assad will not meet to discuss moving towards peace. International pressure is building to end the conflict, which is threatening to spread across borders. Riots in Sweden continued into a third day as protesters continued to condemn police who shot and killed a 69-year-old man who was wielding a machete. On the first day of riots, over 100 cars were burned. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, checking my watch to make sure, boy, it just seems like it all came so fast. Hey, welcome to the program. Today's the day. Oh, so if you were listening to our show yesterday, we had a responsibility chain, we called it, where Bryce was supposed to tell Merritt, Merritt was supposed to remind Rob, and Rob was supposed to go buy something, which he bought. Ding, ding, ding. Marshmallows. I never forget food. But we're, we would never, ever, ever bring them into the studio area. <clears throat> <clears throat> never would do it. And just so you know, right now they are not in the studio They're area. They're sitting safely in their package on my desk out in the area where we can have food. Merritt, go get them. Go get them, Merritt. <laughs> go get them. Don't get a lot. Just bring me ten. Because we're, we're playing, many? we're gonna we're gonna throw them in your mouth every time either one of you yawn. Okay, are they colorful marshmallows? Maybe we're not gonna tell you. I wanted to play a cool sound clip if they were, and a well, bad one if they weren't. I think this is how we could relieve stress. Now, on the show a year ago when we started this great 
adventure. We used to have stress balls that we would stress and we would squeeze and get all of the stress out. And um, some people apparently that were stressed threw them, I don't know, they threw them all over and some people threw them into lighting fixtures and they're now impossible to remove. Um, and so who did that? I don't know, Bryce. I remember. It was you, Bryce. You blame me, but Rob's the one who did it. <laughs> was it Rob? Was it me? It was Rob and Ben, and then the other two yeah. stress balls yeah. died. Oh, that's right. We were trying to see: could you throw a stress ball up on the light and then throw another stress ball to and get, it, out to get it. it out? Fun fact: you yeah, just lose so we, two stress yeah. balls that way. Yeah. Well, you think just two, but because you think you would have learned your lesson, but no, they thought maybe we can get it with a third ball. All right, and then they lost a third ball. Um, but here's the sad thing, because I think without the stress balls, I think we're bigger stress cases. Hmm? Are you with me? That's why we need the marshies. Just go get me just the puffy little air pockets that I can throw when you have a minute. I don't want to, I mean. You I seem should, endeared to them already. You gave them I, nicknames. I'm, I know. Puffy. Well, we can't call them. They're not a food article. We're not using them to consume. We're using them to stop yawning. And the next time I look down and I can just see Skyboy's gullet, or not his, his throat, I'm going to toss. What if it becomes like Pavlov's dog, where every time I <laughs> yawn, I expect a marshmallow in my mouth, and I kind of enjoy it. I might start yawning a lot more. It well, might have then, the opposite effect. Okay, well, let me give you another thing we do with dogs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have shot you not collars? heard of a shot collar? Because <laughs> if, if, if the dog thing works, then we're going to do a shot collar. Heel, Skyler. Heel. <laughs> You know, actually, I actually knew a guy who who didn't think that dog shot collars were that bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, you need to test it. And, you test and it. The best part was he was in a room of five people, and he said, "I don't think they're that bad." All of us at the same time, we were just like, "Hmm, maybe we should, maybe you should try it out." All of us. There was not one person who thought, <laughs> "No, this is going to be really unpleasant, and I'll just save you the trouble, so you don't yeah. have to hurt your neck." Yeah. But all of us were like, "No, no, you should, you should give yeah. it a whirl." No, I try it out. It should, I mean, seriously. See, this is what I think is happening. Is 30 years ago, any farmer would have known a shock collar is pretty bad. Yeah. They would have like, yeah, don't do that. That's just dangerous. But today it's like, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think? Do, do you? Th- yeah? I mean, a shock collar? <laughs> yeah. Bad. So did he do it? Oh, he, he did. Oh, and we got it on video. <gasps> Love it. Should we post it on my YouTube? <laughs> Let's post it. Do you have a... I, I, I have it. it. Yeah. Get the video. Okay, I'll get the video. I want to see this. It's great. Do you have a shock collar we could borrow? No, but I should get one, shouldn't <laughs> I? Because Skyboy is dying to try it. Would you try it, Sky, if I brought one in? Come on, would you? No. Why? Because It's I... just a shock collar. I'll do it if you do it. Promise. I promise you, if you do it, I will do it. Will you? I promise. Well, I'm not dumb enough to do it. Are you sure? No. Uh, taser. Would you do a taser? I don't think so. Um, my cousin had a security job where he was supposed to carry around a taser, and yeah. before he could carry the taser, he had to take a taser. He had to take a taser. And so I saw that video. He posted that video on his Facebook, and <laughs> he takes it like a man, yeah. but I've seen other. Oh, I would take it like a whatever. <laughs> I don't think I could take it as much. Like, oh, I'd like be he'd... screaming like yeah. a crazy stuck pig. I, I do play that. You get, do you ever play those like shot games? Yeah, we like hold the thing. Like yeah. the, I play that game a lot. But My son I've... got suspended for one of those. Oh. He took a shock pen. Yeah. To school, and you know, it's a joke. He got what, suspended. Yeah. For it? What kid hasn't taken a shock pen to school? Probably Merritt. Uh, I Merritt haven't. probably never did. <laughs> you haven't? I'm not even sure what it is. Oh well, good. Here, um, here. I want you to sign something. <laughs> Just take my pen. 
just sign this. Um, shock pen. Uh, oh, interesting. Great. See, well, we're doing a show today on stress, and um, the neat thing is Bryce Tobin <laughs> just totally blew up our entire computer system. It's been like six months since I've seen a blue screen of death. Just got it. Good news, well, now guys. Now that's a full-out crash there. Yep. Hey, it's working. Uh, our entire system crashed. So this is good. That's all right. No stress here. It's I got either, it. I got it. I got it. We're Don't minutes worry. away from having a day off. <laughs> or Almost made it we'll Thursday. still be on the air. Uh, we're going to get – I'm going to have you sign that paper. Uh, give, tomorrow I'll bring the paper I need you to sign. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, my son got in trouble for taking a shock pen, and um, he just thought it was really funny. And then somebody got shocked, a kid, and, um, you know, everyone gets shocked. And then he told the teacher, and then the teacher says Tattle. that that's like – it's like a taser. It's like a death threat. And he got – he basically got <laughs> suspended. I think he may have even gotten um, arrested and strip searched. Like it's probably <laughs> like I'm not six sure. volts. Like it's yeah. – Like, if you were to lick your thumb and put it on a 9-volt battery, not even that high. Done that. I've I've done the 9-volt battery thing. You know what? Try your teeth. It's better with your teeth. Better with your teeth. (laughs) Quote Matt Townsend. And some foil. (laughs) Some tin foil. Um, So we're talking stress. And one of the great things about our life, and I saw it today. I, I really think this is happening. I think we're losing. I don't know what's happening to us. I saw a lady eating. And by the way, I was eating mine. I just don't let anyone know I'm eating when I'm driving. But this lady was eating like a big hamburger while driving about 75 miles an hour. Totally rational decision. Both hands up in the air, somehow steering. I'm assuming she either has a third hand or a knee. She had cruise control set, so it was okay. Well, but yeah, (laughs) except for the steering part. So here we sit driving a seven, 75 miles an hour. What, a 3,000-pound object, Rob? Is that what a car weighs? 75 miles an hour. What's the worst thing that could happen? I don't know. Let's have dinner. I'm going to have dinner while I'm traveling at this speed. I mean, multitasking, it's an art. Totally. Do you not get that it's a death machine, that people die in these things, and you're just going to fit in a lunch? It's crazy. What is that? Do you think... That would have even been, I mean, conceived of 50 years ago? Well, back then they thought we would have flying, self-driving cars. And so you'd just actually turn the seat around and have a dinner right. with the a family picnic. in the car. But back then you took driving very seriously. Like, it's a responsibility. Well, yeah, because if you made a mistake, you probably died. No yeah. seatbelts. Yeah. Well, well, no crumple also, zones, how good no airbags. Because there's some cultures like in the South. And there's some, like, old people who were still around that were like, yeah, women shouldn't drive. And there were, like, women who were in their 80s who like, no, no, why should I get a license? Women don't drive. Well, that's like, right. Like, no, no, it's totally cool. You really can. No, well, like, see, you really can. But somebody that's, an, that's, that's against women today would be saying, see, see, now they're just eating. They're not even driving. They're just eating. <sighs> they're not just eating. We're all getting used to death. We're all getting used to tragedy. We're all getting used to scary things. And I think it actually stresses our body. And I don't even think we know it anymore. I don't even think we know we're stressed. You know what I mean? Your computer just collapsed. The entire, this entire department, this entire broadcasting building could be going down because of your blue screen. And you're like, hey, whatever. You know, it's whatever. It's not whatever. No. We could have lost everything. Yeah. Thankfully, we didn't. Honestly, all we lost was the clock. (laughs) Well, you know how important the the clock is to me? Oh, that is a bigger deal. Oh, so none of this is being recorded? We have have backup recorders in case 
accidents such as this occur. In case Bryce is messing with the computer. So check this out. Uh, a great article by David Kupelian. Um, he wrote an article called American Snapping by the Millions. Stressed and depressed, he is an award-winning journalist. Listen to just some of these statistics. Did you know suicide has now surpassed car crashes as the leading cause of injury death for Americans? So what you're saying is go ahead and eat lunch? I mean, you know, let's, Apparently. let's bring driving back to where <laughs> yeah. it was. You're more likely no. to kill yourself than you are to kill yourself. I mean, kill yourself at home, suicide, than driving in your car eating a hamburger, apparently. Well, that's comforting. Even more disturbing, in the world's greatest military, more U.S. soldiers died last year by suicide than in combat. Fully one-third of the nation's employees suffer chronic, debilitating stress. More than half of the millennials, 18 to 33-year-olds, that's you guys, experience a level of stress that keeps them awake at night, including large numbers diagnosed with depression or anxiety disorders. This is an epidemic. It's, it's taking us over. Uh, how about this one? Prevention shows or uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that one in five of all high school age children in the United States has been diagnosed with ADHD. One in five have been diagnosed with ADHD. That's one in five preteens ages six to 12 have medically been diagnosed with either ADHD, anxiety, depression or bipolar disorder. Twenty percent. It's crazy. New research concludes that stress renders people susceptible to serious illness, and growing number of studies now confirm that chronic stress plays a major role in the progression of cancer, the nation's second biggest killer. So suicide, the first biggest killer, uh, second biggest killer, cancer. Um, the biggest killer of all, though, heart actually, I, um, suicide's the first biggest killer of non, what was the word they used? Um Anyway, it was really good. Yeah. It was a really good thing. Do you guys hear crickets? Oh, my heck. You got crickets running? That's great. Love your energy. Anyway, um, the number one killer, though, is heart disease. By the way, again, caused by what? Stress is one of the leading drivers of heart disease. We have more people on antidepressants than ever before. Stress eating. It's an epidemic. Do you guys buy that? Do you think it's worse than ever? Do you think we're becoming desensitized so we don't even know that we're stressed anymore, but we are stressed? Huh? It's like we're mentally desensitized, but still not physically desensitized. Yes, yeah, so we're feeling it, but like, what? This it's normal. whatever. This is just what we do. It's heart disease, whatever. Like know. we're feeling the stress that, that in the Civil War, the Green Berets of the Civil War used to feel. But we don't even know we're Green Berets because we're not. We're well, it's it's regular the, the folk. Fish, fish in the water. Yes, fish discover water what, last. What what water? Because it's just everybody's in it. And well, it. you the fish discovers the water when you're pulling it out of the water. Then it's like, what the heck? There's water. I was in water. Well, think about everything. So you mentioned the lady eating the hamburger, going seventy miles an hour. Yeah. Let's not pick on the hamburger for a moment. Let's pick on seventy miles an hour. Let's That's, pick on the lady. Well, we do we do that all the time. We get in a little tin can on wheels and we go. Speeds fast enough to kill ourselves if we make one mistake, but because we've figured out ways to make it safe, it just seems normal. normal. It's kind of like well, how many skydiving accidents are there? There's not that many. There's it's, thirty. It's pretty safe uh, relative to the number of people who go skydiving. Well, imagine what if every day part of our life was skydiving, like from the moment you're a little kid, you Sky strap Boy in loves your- that. And, and and you skydive every morning. It's just how you how we travel. We don't have cars. We just 
You just skydive. Yeah, yeah, you skydive everywhere. And so it's mostly safe. There's a few accidents. You always have a friend of a friend who was injured in it. But for the most part, it's safe. And then we go home at night and wonder why we're all stressed out because we – We just were free-falling for a few minutes (laughs) on our way to work. I'm wondering – Traveling by train, bus, or car, when you're going 70 miles an hour and one mistake and you're flying out a window and dying, I don't know. I wonder if that's the same deal. And, and you think about when you were learning to drive? I, I guess I just, I'm a little flabbergasted by this. My first times driving, I remember, okay, rear view mirror, okay, and the two side mirrors, yeah. and then both feet, and then my hands, and what's going on in front of me, and then who was behind me, and then you got dad yelling at me right next to me, telling me what to do. And so a few times I was just like, speed up, how, speed up. How, when will this become normal? And then I just, I don't know if it became normal, yeah. but I definitely became desensitized to well, it. Well, now you sleep when you drive. I just no. Actually, you're pretty much right. I know. Like, I've watched will, you. There will be times that I will end up somewhere and just be like, "I don't remember driving here. How did I get here? What happened?" See, that's just messed up. I think. I mean, like the the disaster in um, in Oklahoma. Like it used to be. There, there's always been tornadoes, right? But now you can listen to it, tweet about it, read it, talk about it all day long. It it can be a part of your tweet. You can go do the. Twitter news. You can do all these. I mean, you, there's so many other things. We now have more information about how many ways we could die. I think it's got to stress us out. I think we're becoming addicted. We are, actually. Oh, is that a true point? It is a true point. See, then I'm right. The doctor has spoken. We are addicted. <laughs> so there's an interesting um, fact that when you, when emotional or physical, you have emotional or physical stress, it actually activates your nervous system, giving you a high. So Really? In other words... By arousing those systems through stress, you are basically giving yourself the same effect That's that a drug what we're would. Doing. We're yeah. stressing ourselves into a high. Exactly. Hmm. So people use stress to actually avoid the things they don't want to do. So they'll use a to-do list or you know, they'll itemize or they'll make sure they're busy, busy, busy all of the time just so that they can avoid their family conflicts, their own insecurities, their See, that's what our guest no, talked about yesterday problems. with procrastinating. Exactly. So here's the chemical side of it is we're now becoming addicted to the stress side of this. Well, mm. and in our culture, we like stress. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, you're, you're important if you have stress. You're important. You're successful. Yes. You are good if you have, you know, you have a good social life if yeah. there's lots of drama going on. So. See, see, I remember when the cell phone was new and, it was a, and before you just had a pager, but having a pager meant you were really important. Now it's just kind of like – well, now it's nothing. But it, it used to be you were either a drug dealer or you were like a doctor. Pretty much the same Both thing. Both are stressful times. jobs from what and, I understand. Uh, but so all of a sudden – and then your phone, having a phone and then the phone ringing a lot meant a lot. And when email was such a big deal and coming out, having a lot of email meant you were an important person. So we just keep compounding. See? That means we're important when we stress. That's why I try to stress Skyboy out because I want him to feel important. Oh. Does it work? <laughs> You didn't know I was trying to stress you out. Um, you've told me a lot. That like when you do your little bits and you introduce the next show or whatever, I like to give you an opportunity. You like to throw a chapstick at me well, and or marshmallows. and sometimes push the buttons on the screen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Accidentally, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I do that because I care about you. I appreciate that. Now, sure, you may die younger yeah. of one of the diseases. I might lose disorders. my job. You might lose your job. Yeah. But. Lesson you, learned. And you get a high. Yes. So don't it. say I'm not doing anything <laughs> for you. So we're talking stress on the show. And uh, are you stressed? Is it an epidemic? We're going to be bringing on an expert, Paula Davis-Lack. 
is going to be joining us, and she's going to give us some uh, some tools, some of the latest research about managing your stress and uh, de-stressing a little bit, figuring out why people stress out, and also maybe taking a look at the generational differences of stress. We'll be talking to her in a couple breaks from now. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Bryce Tobin and a little rant on stress right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The power of crowdsourcing applied to exploring the red planet. Learn how to become a citizen scientist. This is Innovation Now. Bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Crowdsourcing is a process where like-minded folks get together over the Internet to support a particular activity on the principle that a few thousand heads are better than one to solve a problem. It's been applied to projects like searching for extraterrestrial life, folding proteins, and other scientific projects that need a lot of concentrated brain power on a budget. Now, a website called Fourth Planet needs your help exploring and mapping Mars. The Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter's high-resolution camera has taken millions of pictures, more than any one person can analyze in a lifetime. But over 56,000 volunteers are going over images of the Martian South Pole to mark and identify features that will help model planetary wind patterns and explain strange ground markings from geysers of carbon dioxide vapor. So far, volunteers have looked over and classified well over 3 million images. Volunteer sites like Planet4.org show that you can get personally involved in science, making useful contributions on a micro and macro level while having fun, too. Crowdsourcing projects deputize all of us into becoming citizen scientists, no matter what our day jobs are. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor of Cougar Sports on BYU Radio and BYU TV. For information, call 801-422-1448 or email corporate support at byu.edu. Go Cougars! Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about the epidemic of stress. Do you think you're falling prey to the stress epidemic? Are you an addict? I think Skyboy isn't because I I try to stress him, but it doesn't stress him. So um, our very own Bryce Tobin here. You're going to rant, aren't you, Bryce? That's what I do. I And I love the name of this. Your rant today is nobody's fault but ours. Yes. It's not Sky's fault. Uh, well, oh, ours. On, you can't blame this. Ours. Oh, I'm Who's... part. I'm part of the group now. I'm mm. part of ours. Usually, it's like us and Skyboy. Yeah, you are in. You're in. <laughs> you're in the group today. Yes. You're in. I mean, he doesn't come to any of our meetings, but and um, I used to. <laughs> and my puffy error bags that I can throw at you are now here. Oh, but they don't look like they're colorful. That's okay. Um, so <laughs> I wanted to push the organ win, but. That's good. I'm glad you stuck with that. So our very own Bryce Tobin has some thoughts about stress that he'd just love to share with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce's right. We seem to be caving in under stress. I don't know exactly what it is either. The fun part about stress is that it can be found in just about everything. And when it comes to stress, when we dig down deep, we find a very simple question. Today, are we more or less stressed than we used to be? Yet we haven't found a simple answer to this simple question. But I don't think raw stress levels are the problem. 
Humans in the past have survived way worse stuff without ulcers or constant burnouts. It could be the type of stress, and this leads to my idea that stress levels may or may not be the same. But as far as I can tell, stress today seems to be different in that we understand enough to know that, in the words of Robert Plant, it's nobody's fault but mine. So let's take the economic recession that we're all still dealing with. Whose fault is it? It's Bush's fault for all his pro-business policies. No, it's Obama's fault because... Obama! Wait, it's the bank's fault for letting the subprime mortgage crisis happen! No, wait, why stop at the banks? It's all a Wall Street for having more money than cents! I don't know who deserves the blame. But even with all these external sources to blame, at the same time, we know that most of our own economic hardships are self-inflicted. Taking risks is part of the game, and sometimes bigger risks are more lucrative. But in some way or another, we've all played into the game. The bad news is that when you're gaming, someone has to lose. In my case, I had the opportunity to grab a job right out of high school, but I decided to play the game and spend a few years not working by going to college to take a gamble for something better. A gamble that doesn't seem to look any better as time goes on. I could blame the generation before mine for building a culture that goes to college like a drone, but when it comes down to it, I've taken a gamble, and my prospects look less than desirable. People talk about the light at the end of the tunnel, but from my point of view, that light looks awful and I don't want to go anywhere near it. Or maybe we're condemned by our knowledge and understanding. There's just less magic in the world. We know how stuff works. How this is stressful all comes back to the idea of control. It's very stressful to be out of control of your consequences, but I think it's worse to understand the process, the consequences, and then still not be able to change anything at the end of the day. Let's take phrenology, for example. The former medical discipline claiming that head shape determined things like intelligence, personality, or our weight. So think about it. 80 years ago, you could stand up and say, I'm overweight because of a series of bumps on my head, and they say I will. And everyone would accept you as a rational person of science. But today, we have a much better understanding of our metabolic process. And while genes do have an effect, unfortunately, at least one of those extra chins is self-inflicted. So what I'm getting at is that I think we're all turning in on ourselves. Maybe there's less stress in our lives, but I feel like instead of just a few things out of the many pointing the finger back at us, today, most of the fingers are pointing back at us. And we know it. It's stressful to wake up every morning and realize that if today's going to be any good, it's up to me. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. See, that very thought stresses me out. Like people are like, carpe diem. I'm like, ah, uh, hold on, hold on. Carpe your own diem. Yeah, like, mm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the actual Latin translation. Carpe, carpo, to diem. <laughs> no, that would be I carp, that's... my day. Um, that was an, actually a very interesting thing. All the fingers are pointing back to us. I feel like. Way, but haven't they always been? Maybe. It's just like we used to accept it more. Maybe, or just, I don't know, maybe we just ignored those fingers, but now we just know too much, and now there's just like, you, 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 it's on you, it's all you. Well, and then we listen to shows that are like, like this show, where we're like, you can do it, you're amazing, you're like, great, now I've got to do it. Now I have to do amazing things. Thanks, Matt. Okay, let me just set your mind at ease. Hey, you can be a loser. It's in you. You have the power to bring yourself to the lowest common denominator and be less than you know you and everyone around you need you to be. Does that make anyone feel better? <laughs> um, I appreciate the honesty. I tried to. I, I, tried to, <laughs> I don't know if I feel better. But no, but it's time, inside each one of us to, to seriously slouch and become less. That's a fact. And you can actually bathe and bask in it. Yeah. In your less, I mean, you won't less-ness. be doing the human race any favors by doing that, so I wouldn't encourage it. But at the same time, it's there. Totally it's there. not even just there. It's always there. <laughs> anyway, it's always there and it's always ready. See, but that's depressing. To me, that's just as depressing. It's more empowering to say, you know what? If you're tired of it, let's step out of it. 
Let's just get out of it. Let's not do it anymore. Let's just say no. Just say no. That would be a great. That would be a great theme. Just say no. Just say no. They ought to use that. They ought to use that like in for kids. Just say no. Like a government sponsored like, yes. children's drug education program. Brilliant. That would be great. That'd Just be great. say no. Hmm. Okay, I'm eating another marshmallow. Um, I mean another air pocket of air sugarness because we don't have food in here. Um, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with our great guest that's going to walk us through the stress epidemic. She's done some incredible research. She's going to give us a leg up in how to de-stress our lives, maybe even get over some of these addictions. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Did you leave BYU without a degree? We'd had a few years where, where farming had been very difficult. My wife and I had decided that you know we were at an end with our farming career. That decision to sell the farm was really a turning point in my life. In church, there was a poster from the Bachelor of General Studies program, and we decided to enroll. I see that it has blessed me in the life of our family. Go online to bgs.byu.edu to see if you qualify to finish at home what you started at BYU, Bachelor of General Studies. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Obama is heading to Moore, Oklahoma this weekend to survey the damage caused by the massive tornado there earlier this week. 24 people lost their lives in the storm, but considering the damage, authorities say it's very lucky the death toll was not significantly higher. The IRS official, who is believed to be at the center of the unfair targeting of conservative groups, pled the fifth today at a congressional hearing. After holding she has done nothing wrong, the official declined to answer any more questions regarding her involvement. FBI agents shot and killed friend of one of the Boston Marathon bombing suspects today. The man being questioned turned violent and the agents were forced to react with lethal force. Authorities say the man was not suspected of involvement with the Boston bombing. The Chicago School Board could be closing 54 schools around the city. A vote on the decision is being held today, and if the plan moves forward, it would be the largest public school closure in national history. Following a scandal last year surrounding a lewd photo posted online, former New York Representative Anthony Weiner has now announced his candidacy for the New York City mayoral race. However, a recent poll shows he faces a 49% disapproval rating. In world news, British leaders are in an emergency meeting today following the brutal slaying of a British soldier on the streets of London. Authorities say the attack seems to be of a terrorist nature, while police shot and wounded two suspects shortly after the murder. U.S. leaders warned they will increase support for Syrian rebels if regime President Bashir Assad will not meet to discuss moving towards peace. International pressure is building to end the Syrian conflict, which is threatening to spread across borders. Riots in Sweden continued into a third day as protesters continued to condemn police who shot and killed a 69-year-old man who was wielding a machete. On the first day of the riots, over 100 cars were burned. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. What we're talking about today is the stress epidemic. Are you a part of it? Are you stressed out? 
Do you enjoy a little stress here and there? Do you uh, do you think you're addicted? We are going to be bringing on our guest, Paula Davis-Lack, who is, uh, has a great website at pauladavislack.com. Uh, by the way, Lack, L-A-A-C-K.com. She has a Juris Doctorate degree and a Master's degree in... We'll have to ask her. I can't decipher. And, oh, positive psychology, one of my favorite topics on Earth. She's going to be teaching us how to bring the positive psychology into our psyche, into our brains, and actually using it to leverage our lives, make them a little bit better. She's an internationally published writer. She also has trained resilience skills to over thousands or to thousands of professionals, educators, lawyers, military personnel throughout the Middle East, South Korea, Australia, and all over the United States. She's written a lot as well. She's been featured on the Huffington Post and Psychology Today. She was recently named a top 10 influencer in the category of stress by ShareCare. Uh, and so we'd like to welcome Paula Davis-Lack to the show. Paula, welcome to the program. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. We're a little stressed here. <laughs> yeah, who isn't these days? I know. Are you noticing this? Well, see, you don't even work with our my my board operator, Skyboy, but he stresses very easily, and I don't even know what <laughs> really? to do with him. <laughs> well, let's figure that out. That's why we need your help. Now, okay, for for reals, is it an epidemic? Do you would you call it an epidemic? I think it is. I, I think it is. I mean, based on the just the statistics that I'm seeing, and, and it's more than just statistics. I right. mean, you know, statistics are great, but, I mean, it's the people who pull me aside when I go to networking events, and it's the people who I, you know, coach and who I train who are just saying to me, you know, I am at my wits end. What can I do? Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they can't do more. They're stressed. The problems are huge. They don't seem to go away. They're almost compounding, too, it seems like. You know? It seems like oh, it's starting to double up on us, right? So, so why oh, is well, what's happening? Tell us what, how you see it as an expert in stress. I mean, because, by the way, your background is fascinating to me. Because you, you. you quit. You went to law school. I mean, you went to law mm-hmm. school. You were a lawyer. You went out and started tasting the great stressful life of, I guess, law, corporate law. and. Yeah. And then you quit? I did. What were you thinking? I know. I know. Not only that, but, you know, my friends and family were like, okay, you're quitting being a lawyer and you're going to go study what? You're going to go study positive psychology? Like, what is that? What's going on yeah. with you? <laughs> See, you were, that was a crisis. You were in a crisis. You were having a breakdown. I, I was. But you chose I it. Was. I mean, and, it, and in the end, you probably did something that a lot of people wish they could do. Yeah, and it's really something that I think is achievable for people who are looking to switch gears, and that's a lot of what my my coaching practice focuses on is helping people not only manage stress in a better way, but also, you know, let's see what changes need to be made, because I don't want people to end up going through what I went through to kind of get to the other side. Yeah, right. I mean, you would think... Was it was it the was it in the end that you didn't like law school or I mean law because you had gone through school, but I, mm-hmm. I mean it's always like everything. Once you're out of school's one thing. Once you're in the job, it's another thing. And then you get caught up in trying to make partner and doing everything you can. Um, that sometimes you end up in a whole different place that you never meant to be. Oh, absolutely. 
And I have to tell you, um, I've, I've sort of coined the term achievaholic. And <laughs> so I, I've, I've been an achievaholic for yeah. most of my life. And, and that's a lot of what I think actually even brought me to law school is, wow, you know, this is going to be a great thing and, and people will think I'm so smart and all of this stuff. And, you know, I, I say and I write a lot that I had been focused on achieving so much throughout the course of my life that I forgot to figure out who I was and what mm. I really wanted to do and what I really, really liked. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone's focusing on, you know, college. I know there's a lot of students listening and getting good grades and then, you know, focusing on what kind of job am I going to get coming out of college and, uh, you know, life takes over and it's, it's hard to sit back and, and think about some of those important things. Do you, do you sense a stress, a difference in stress? Like I absolutely love everything I do. It's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of like, so every little bit of what my job is made up of, I love. I love the pieces. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes when they all run together <laughs> that I, it gets oh, more okay. stressful for me. But is there a difference between the good stress and the bad stress? Not to jump out of, not to jump ahead too far, but it seems like I feel kind of invigorated and motivated uh, by my stress. But then there's other times I just want to run for the hills. Oh, Absolutely. And I think that's the case for a lot of people, and I know it's certainly the case for myself as well. I mean, I absolutely love what I do now, but being a business owner has stress associated with it, and traveling a lot has a lot of stress associated with it. And I don't think, you know, I think it's important to send the message that we don't want to get rid of stress. Right. There is stress that makes us, you know, want to jump out of bed during the day and focus on all the things that we love to do. And then there's the chronic stress the chronic stress that if left unchecked over time can produce some of these unwanted results that we're seeing in a lot of people today. Mm, yeah. So uh, so let's go through this. Now, yeah. what's going on today? What are, the, what are the compounders? What are the things that are impacting us today that I guess was, is different, maybe causing more of an epidemic today around stress than maybe what we had 50 years ago, 100 years ago? Sure, yeah, we're seeing a number of different things. And if there's one thing we really know for sure today is that there's really no one specific reason or answer. And sort of what you were talking about, you know, we're seeing it's multiple different factors and different things that are coming into play. Right. So, I mean, obviously, we've got the economic downturn that's been going on for a number of years now. But, you know, we're certainly not the first generation to experience hard economic times. Right. So it's definitely something more than that. But that's a factor. Right. Um, another really big factor, and this is probably going to be a common thread that I'm going to be talking about throughout our time, is the fact that we are disconnecting from people and connecting more to technology and to our, our devices. Mm-hmm. And having technology isn't a bad thing, but it's the disconnecting from people part that is really, really causing a lot of stress for a lot of people. And I pulled up this interesting um, statistic, and there has been a decades-long decline of people doing things like joining clubs, attending their town meetings, or even informally socializing, like going over to your neighbor's house for dinner. Yeah. And between 1985 and 2004, the number of people who said that there is no one with whom they can discuss important matters has nearly tripled. Oh, man. Yeah. And so that's, that's 
that's a big deal. Yeah. Yet our technology has quintupled or whatever. I mean, we're yeah, getting exactly. we have all this technology and yet our ability to connect and communicate around our pain and our problems um, is is dropping. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is, you know, I was just out to breakfast uh, last Sunday with my husband and my family, and my husband and I were noticing at the table right next to us, there was a family of five, um, this lovely family, um, three little kids, and the mom and the dad were sitting there during most of the breakfast actually looking at their devices, checking their emails and texting, and the kids were kind of just sitting there doing a little coloring, but I thought to myself, wow, what a missed opportunity for them to actually have some family time, yeah. you know, in their hectic life, I'm sure, um, you know, and what a missed opportunity. Well, it's yeah, it's funny because I, I, for years, have watched people, and mm-hmm. um, at a restaurant, sometimes, like, you'd see a couple at a restaurant that would just kind of be looking at each other, but they wouldn't talk, and they, yeah. they, they were just kind of the old couple that weren't talking at dinner. But um, there's something completely different, it seems like to me, about from an old couple not look not talking at dinner to two people that are basically much more engrossed in something else and not even at dinner together. You know what I mean? It's a different it's a different you're more alone. It's, Absolutely. And it's funny because you're physically together, yeah. but you're not emotionally or mentally together. And that's more re- that's more of a rejection, it seems like, than just two mm-hmm. people that are actually in the same space, both of them actually present in the space. It's just we're not talking. Right. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. The, um, yeah. The other thing that I noticed, too, this is, this is interesting. When I'm not traveling, I work um, out of my home. And the other day I was, you know, on my computer and I noticed a woman walking by our house and she was talking on her cell phone, pushing her kid in the stroller and then also walking her dog. <laughs> and the multitasker in me went, wow, that's really impressive. That is doing amazing. All that stuff at the same time. Yeah. But then I realized, wow, she's probably not fully connected to the person she's talking to on the phone. She's certainly not connected to her child and the other activities that she has going on. So and I yeah. think multitasking can be seductive that way. Oh, totally. It's almost more like the epidemic is we actually buy the illusion that yeah. that we that we're making this work. Maybe that is the epidemic then, huh? That we just we actually are under the impression that this is all working. Right. <laughs> and and I I think that's that's such a great point. And you know, one of the other factors that I see going on is that the workplace mm-hmm. companies need to do a better job and just step it up to give the workers and their employees really the tools that they need to manage stress. And instead of promoting this, you know, 24-7 type of culture, and I know particularly in the legal profession where I came from, oh, yeah. I mean, it was expected if somebody emails you at one in the morning, you better respond. Right, right. Get it done. And bill. Billable hours. Billable. <laughs> bill, yeah, bill, bill more. <laughs> You've had that, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, and then there's, but there's also a weird stigma that goes with this, isn't there? Because if you don't play the games, like even like you bringing up uh, corporate America kind of needs to give more tools to manage stress and not promote the mm-hmm. 24-7 culture. Even that very thought in my head, I'm thinking, oh, well, there's Paula Davis Lack's death sentence. She'll never go right. into corporate America because they don't want people. There, there's a stigma to even saying what you just said. You're like right. anti-American almost. <laughs> you're a communist. I'm realistic. That's now. exactly. Well, and you're healthy. Well, see, and there's the thing, too, because what, I mean, 
I think companies are starting to realize, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of cost cutting and things that have happened over the last handful of years. And the people who are left can only do so much because human beings are not machines. Yeah. And we're going to run out of gas at some point if the groundwork isn't laid for us to have, you know, healthy interactions and things at work and at home. Yeah, right. So, you know, companies are starting to notice that, wow, we're seeing a little bit less productivity, we're seeing disengaged workers, and all of that is having an impact on the bottom line, and truly that's what's going to get them to pay attention. Mm. Does, uh, Does the positive psychology, just explain to everybody what that is. So here, Paula Davis Lack is a lawyer making bazillions of dollars. Then she can't take it anymore. She's sick and tired of probably living a life that wasn't hers. And um, and you and you just decided, you know what, I need a life. And then you went back to school and studied and got a master's degree in positive psychology. Just mm-hmm. explain, what is positive psychology? Yeah, I, I love it. it. Positive psychology is, it, first and foremost, a large body of research and science-based tools mm-hmm. that help Um, people and sort of opine and talk about what goes right with people, what goes right with companies, what goes right with communities. So instead of just focusing on deficit and weakness and things that are going wrong, which is a lot of what traditional psychology does. Yeah, the abnormal. Yeah. Yeah, which is also very important. Sure. Um, You know, folks realize, wow, we're sort of missing the other side of the coin here, too. There's lots of things that talk about you know, what helps people be healthy and be happy and, you know, not be as stressed out. And so that is what positive psychology is. And that's why you're dealing with stress. I mean, we could go talk about who are the most stressed people and what are they doing, or we can go Mm -hmm. talk about what are the healthy people that feel less stressed doing. Right, and see what they're doing, and let's, you know, figure out how we can do more of that. That's cool. Positive psychologist, that's you know what? That's that's just a cool title, and just the mere fact that you're looking at healthier solutions, it's it. I, I mean, there is some great research that, that there's a huge corollary to just feeling better by working on those things. We're going to come back. We're talking to Paula Davis Lack. You can go to her website, Paula Davis, just like you'd think they're spelled Lack L A A C K dot com. Paula Davis Lack L A A C K dot com. Check out her blog, all of her great stuff there, her ideas. She is the expert. We're going to come back with her, get more research, more information on how to de-stress a little bit, especially this younger generation, these 18 to 20-year-old millennials, or 18 to 30-year-old millennials. We're going to be back giving you the tools right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The next location for a manned space station might be really far out, as in beyond the moon. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. As NASA contemplates the next steps in manned and unmanned missions to the moon, Mars, faraway asteroids, and more, the question arises, where is the best place to put a space station for supporting deep space missions? The current space station is in low Earth orbit, only about 400 kilometers high. That's still rather deep in Earth's gravity well. To go into deeper space, some advocate a station that's literally far out, even beyond lunar orbit. Thanks to orbital mechanics, there is a location that's uniquely qualified for a deep space jumping-off point. It's the Lagrange Point, called L2 for short. 
Lagrange points are spots leading and trailing the orbit of Earth around the Sun, a million and a half kilometers past Earth's orbit, where the pull of gravity balances out so that an object at the L2 point stays there until you want to move it. You can save a lot of fuel drifting parked at L2, yet you only need a small rocket burn to jump off in any direction in space from that spot. L2 might end up as our bus station to the entire solar system. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome to 1962 in a town called Granite Flats where everyone is friendly and everything is normal. Almost. There are things that need to stay secret. You ever seen anything like this? Oh, sir, it's pretty space age. She thought it was aliens. Yes, she did. Holy cow. G-Men. Don't go getting paranoid on me, Johnny Sanders. Watch an all-new episode of Granite Flats this Sunday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on BYU-TV. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You feeling a little stressed in life? You think you've caught the epidemic? There's a there's an epidemic going around, my friends, where we're all getting stressed out of our heads and we don't even know it. We're buying into all of these ideas that, you know, more is better, faster, I guess better, better degrees, better titles, make your kids the best. And then eventually they pop and they explode. And then we just medicate them and um, wonder what happened. So that's the epidemic. Paula Davis Lack is joining us. She has a website at pauladavislack.com. She's also a uh, a noted um, blogger and, and writes a lot for the Huffington Post and Psychology Today. She's an expert in stress, resilience, and work-life balance. She's also somebody that's done it herself. Lawyer, you know, done. Didn't want to do it anymore. Turned her life around. Saw the light. And went to positive psychology, became a positive psychologist, and now is teaching all of us today. Paula, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's so good to have you. Um, as we as we get into this, you know, there's some great research, I guess, out there, right? Talking about the impacts of stress on us, and I mean, it seems like almost everything that we all know is happening in the in our culture, you know, our health. A lot of it's directly related to stress. Oh, without question. Um, I, I was just reading somewhere that there's estimates that between 75 to 90 percent of doctor visits have some sort of stress component as oh, part wow. of that. Or is that yeah, just that doctors stress us out? Maybe it's just that we're afraid <laughs> to go to the doctor. That's probably part of it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's, but it really is. Uh, it's, this doesn't go away. And then are the millennials different? So a lot of people may not know, but the millennials are that crazy generation, the 18 to 30-something-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And I work with mostly millennials, and they're a whole different right. breed, not to be rude. Yes. Have you noticed? <laughs> I have noticed. I worked with my share of millennials as well. And um, on, on, you know, one of the good things I think about the millennials is that they, I think, eventually are going to steer us back yeah. to being normal in terms of... They're not drinking the Kool-Aid. And, no, no, and they're starting to push back against it. But what they're also finding, too, unfortunately, is that they do have slightly higher stress levels. Really? And they don't feel like they're getting enough time with their health care providers. 
I think this is a group that, you know, wants to talk about their stress. I think they're going in looking for help with their health care providers when it comes to stress, and they're just not getting they're just not getting the tools and the help and the information. Do you, are we going to blame? Let's blame that on the baby boomers. Because maybe the baby boomers are sucking up all the doctor's times now. Sure. Or just blame it on the lawyers. You know, blame the it on the lawyers and the baby boomers. <laughs> but it really, it's interesting. So these, the millennials, the 18 to 30-something-year-olds, don't feel like they're actually getting access and conversation. They're not, they're not getting enough attention, maybe, from the medical profession. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Correct. Interesting. And yeah, the other thing, the other thing that's really going on, and this is something that's quite serious, is the levels of depression have increased enormously. So even from you know from from our generation, from our grandparents' generation, we were seeing that if you were going to have a depressive episode, if that was going to happen, you'd likely see it happen for the first time around the age of thirty. Okay. And what we're seeing today is that it's happening now at the age of 14. Uh, so that's yeah. probably tied to these the suicides and the teen suicides and all of the, I mean, I mean, even the bullying probably, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. all of this pressure our youth are feeling. Yeah, I'm sure, and I'm sure that that's a piece of it. And, you know, by the time kids graduate from high school, we're seeing one in five will have experienced a depressive episode. Oh. And what we also know is that the younger you are when your first depressive episode happens, the more likely it is to reoccur. So not only is it happening at such a young age, but we're setting up kids to have potentially additional depressive episodes in their life. And then we're probably, I guess, then we would medicate them earlier, mm-hmm. intervene earlier, label them as depressive earlier. Uh, and so then all of a sudden they're caught up in this cycle. Like this is, I guess, the opposite of positive psychology. Then they're caught up in this cycle of being kind of a diagnosed depressive human. And then what do you do? Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden now you're like, oh, man, I'm 14. I'm breaking out with acne. Oh, yeah. And my life's jacked up because I'm depressed. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It is so hard. And, and again, just sort of like with the stress and the de- epidemic, there are a lot of factors that go into why we're seeing this. And one big one seems to be this whole notion of, you know, the millennials have been labeled like the trophy generation, the everybody gets an A generation. And what that's done is we've we've sort of made failure a really bad word. Yeah, right. And in reality, failure is, what is going to help you build those resilience muscles as you mm-hmm. go on in life and you're able to then deal with issues when they happen instead of being rescued and you know treated exactly the same as everybody else. So that's interesting. So if uh, if we've been coddling this generation, we may have created a group that is less apt or able to, or resilient enough to kind of stretch back from it. So they don't so instead of stretching back, they feel depressed, they feel down, they give up, they walk away. Absolutely. So, you know, when you take them out of, a, of the protective, you know, bubble that's been, you know, their school life and whatnot um, up until that point, and then they go to college and beyond, and they actually have pretty serious things happen to them, they don't, they don't know how to deal with it. They don't have the resources built up to say, oh, wow, I remember when... I went through this back when I was 12. Here's what I did then. I can draw on some of those skills now to actually help me get over this. Yeah, we've, we've sort of undercut all of that for them. 
That's kind of a life sentence, isn't it? They're going to be battling that their whole life until they, I guess, until they get okay with the suffering of the of life. I mean, life is about the challenge of learning to grow the muscle of resiliency. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of, um, you know, folks who are in the workplace who are, you know, Generation X or baby boomers are having a difficult time dealing with or knowing how to work with millennials. Because it's funny, I, I was, um, when I was practicing law, I had uh, someone right out of college, you know, come up to me and he had been on the job um, working with me for probably about six weeks or so. And he said, so when are we going to get, when am I going to get promoted? <laughs> and I laughed at first. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I wasn't sure he was serious. And then I realized that he was. And I realized, you know, he, he's probably been used to, you know, just, you know, that type of, you know, getting promoted and getting an A and getting all of that stuff without having to necessarily work for that as much. Yeah. And then that's, you know what they need? Let me just tell you, because I've done this a long time. That's where they need the mm-hmm. lecture. Give them a lecture and say, well, young fella, I haven't had a, I didn't get a promotion till." and then you tell the story about when you were a child. Right. That's what the millennials right. love to hear. But it's, it is, it's kind of a, it's a real deal, isn't it? And, and interestingly, it's the other generations that have handed this great legacy down. Mm-hmm. So when we come back, one thing I want to do is we're going to get into fixing it. We're going to get into having you give us what are some tools, some some of the top things we can be doing real time in our life today, even to prevent burnout, to to eliminate the burnout. And um, so grab your millennials, but also every one of us. This is something that we we could do as a family. We can do intergenerationally. Um, We're talking about preventing burnout with our very own expert, Paula Davis-Lack. And uh, you can check her out at her website, PaulaDavisLack.com. L-A-A-C-K is how you spell that last name. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. Funeral services for Frances J. Monson, wife of President Thomas S. Monson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, will be held Thursday, May 23rd in the church's Salt Lake City Tabernacle. BYU Radio and all other BYU broadcasting stations will air the services live on Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 12 p.m. Mountain Time. BYU Radio will rebroadcast the services on Saturday, May 25th at 12 Eastern and 10 Mountain Time. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. With rescue efforts coming to an end in Moore, Oklahoma after a massive tornado earlier this week, President Obama is now planning to visit the area over the weekend. 24 people lost their lives in the storm, but considering the damage, authorities say it's very lucky the death toll is not significantly higher. The IRS official who is believed to be at the center of the unfair targeting of conservative groups pled the fifth today at a congressional hearing. After holding she has done nothing wrong, she declined to answer any more questions regarding her involvement. Over 50 schools will be closing in Chicago after a school board vote today. The decision marks the largest mass closing of schools the nation has ever seen. Most of these schools slated for closure are for elementary age students. 
FBI agents shot and killed a friend of one of the Boston Marathon bombing suspects today. The man being questioned turned violent and the agents were forced to react with lethal force. Authorities say the man was not a suspect of involvement with the Boston bombing. Anthony Weiner announced his candidacy for the New York City mayor's office today. However, he will likely face an uphill battle after a lewd photo scandal last year and a current disapproval rate of nearly 50 percent. In world news, British leaders are in an emergency meeting today following the brutal slaying of a British soldier on the streets of London. Authorities say the attack seems to be of a terrorist nature, while police shot and wounded two suspects shortly after the murder. U.S. leaders warned they will increase support for Syrian rebels if regime President Bashir Assad will not meet to discuss moving towards peace. International pressure is building to end the Syrian conflict, which is threatening to spread across regional borders. Riots in Sweden continued into a third day as protesters continued to condemn police who shot and killed a 69-year-old man who was wielding a machete. On the first day of riots, over 100 cars were burned. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody. We're de-stressing here on the Matt Townsend Show. Just being a unified team. Doing what I can to help my millennials have more hope in life. And uh, honestly, truly, life's tough. And then all of a sudden you add on top of it expectations, uh, lack of resiliency, the ability to maybe see through some of it, plus maybe an early diagnosis of something like depression, anxiety, it, it all adds up, and over time, life even seems more stressful. So today we're talking with Paula Davis-Lack. Um, she has a great website. Again, go check it out, PaulaDavisLack.com. She also um, has a pretty neat story herself that comes from the fact that she was a lawyer that uh, had climbed the ladder and you know went through law school. You don't get through law school being a slacker, do you, Paula? No, you don't. <laughs> so you went through that. You fought through that. You go get the where, – where did you work? Uh, what kind of law did you do and where did you work, Paula? Yeah, I um, practiced commercial real estate law. So I helped developers and uh, folks, you know, build large shopping center areas Yeah. and uh, real estate developments of all different kinds. So I worked first at a big law firm here in Milwaukee, and then I ended up working in-house for a large company here. See, and then you just decide, hey, I'm, I, I want a new life. I'm not everything I want to be. And you went and got a master's in um, positive psychology, and now you're writing for the Huffington Post and Psychology Today, and you're on the Matt Townsend Show, and now your life is happy. I know, but it could be better. <laughs> well, you know what? It could. <laughs> Believe me. I've been, I'm on my show every day, Paula, and it, it could be a lot better. Um, oh, no. Oh, well. We're trying, um, but I'm with all these millennials. What do you do? They're so hard. You have to keep feeding them food or they get all tired and sleepy. Um, Paula, tell me this. So what should we be doing? How do we pull out of the malaise? Sure. So one thing that I talk to a lot of people about is this. Know your positivity ratio. Mm. And what the heck is that? And uh, the positivity ratio, first of all, there's lots of wonderful research about positive emotions and the benefits that they have for people. 
And this wonderful researcher, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, actually figured out how to put the math behind, you know, what is the optimal kind of ratio where we start to see this happiness and flourishing uh, in our lives. Yes. And she found that that sweet spot is at three to one. Hmm. So three positive emotions to one negative emotion. Really? Okay. So I'll explain that more. Sure. So, so, so I need to have in a day three to one negative or positives to a negative. So if I... If I wake up on time, got to, you know, exercise, had a good thing, had a great breakfast, and then got to my car and had a flat tire, that was a three-to-one ratio, I guess. And so I'm at zero? I mean, I, I, that evens out. Yeah, and I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's not really necessarily cumulative throughout your day, but it's just sort okay. of a guidepost as you're going through, going through your day. Because a lot of people think that, well, if I'm at one-to-one, you know, if I'm smiling and then, you know, I get crabby, then, you know, hey, I'm balanced out and that's great. Right. That's not enough to actually get us over the hump of the stress and get us into that that sweet spot where we're flourishing. So to stay, so to kind of stay ahead of the game, you need to be knowing that that's literally. I like that too because you're saying you can't just assume life's going to hand you the three to one ratio. So be noticing it. Are you getting enough good today? Yes, exactly. That's great. Exactly. So the three to one so, ratio is. Um, that's kind of your little, that's your little math equation. Yes, that's Dr. Fredrickson's equation, and you can go on, um, there's a website, positivityratio.com, and within about five minutes or so, you'll be able to figure out where you're at. Positivityratio.com. Dot com. yes. And then you can find out your own number. What was your number <laughs> as a lawyer? Did you, I, what would you think? Well, uh, luckily, I didn't take it when I was still practicing because it probably would have been like zero to that would, ten. Yeah, that would have been uh, depressing. It would have been depressing. The first time I took it was though not long after I stopped practicing, and it was one point eight to one. Huh. So it was just slightly over, you know, that one to one. So I had a little bit of work to do. Yeah, that's cool. So, what are some other things that would lift the ratio? Sure. So one of the things that I do is uh, I keep something that I call a positivity portfolio. Mm-hmm. So whenever I get um, a nice little note from somebody or somebody sends me a great email or, you know, I, I see this great picture, I either print the email or do, you know, uh, print the picture and put it in this box. And so when I'm having a really tough day and, you know, the stress is starting to mount, I will pull that out and, and just take a look at some of the notes. And things and so right away that generates some joy and some happiness and um, helps me to feel a little bit better, a little bit more balanced. I love that, and because it could, it, you could just end up obsessing on the one, huh? It's almost like one. Sometimes that three to one ratio, if that one sometimes feels so big that mm-hmm. it just dumps everything. You may have a twenty to one ratio, then you get the one bad one, and it just dumps out your whole bucket. Absolutely, and it's a really, it's a great activity that you can do with your kids, and it's really yeah. easy for students to do. You can keep, you know, something at work to as a reminder. Uh, it's, it's really, really great. I do a thing with um, my clients where we, we, I call it filling the bucket, where they, each person has to sit with their spouse for about 10 minutes, and the spouse for 10 straight minutes has to tell you what they love about you, and yeah. then, but you have to receive it, so every time you have to say, thank you. What else do you love mm-hmm. about me? And then you, you, for 10 straight minutes, you give them what you love about them, and they have to write each one of them down. And every I time, changes the world. It makes you feel so good. 
I love that. Yeah, and then I no, document I, it, and I pull it out whenever my wife gets gets a little mouthy, and I'm like, hold, 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 hold it. Let's read the list again, and that makes her mad. Right. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, I don't know. Um, she doesn't find that funny. Uh, what else? What else have you got for us there, Paula? What other ideas feel, feed the bucket or fill the bucket? Yeah, it's really important to manage your energy during the day. And again, I think this gets back to the whole notion that, um, you know, a lot of our workplace policy supports this on-the-go, 24-7, always-have-to-be-on mentality. And what we're, we're learning from, um, particularly sports psychologists, is that it's really important to take a short break about every 90 to 120 minutes. Hmm. So even if it's just, you know, standing up, I work at home, sometimes I'll just go outside for a few minutes, I'll take the dog for a walk, um, something just to give yourself a regular break during the day. Okay, yeah. No, but like, you need the break, don't you? You need the recharge. Oh, you absolutely do, and that was... Um, the lack of energy management was absolutely something for me that factored into why I burned out because I, you know, ate lunch at my desk and was consistently going, 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 and that caught up with me. It's uh, It seems like it's a no-brainer. But, again, the energy, if we're not eating properly, if we're not taking time to have a break, if we're not doing something we love um, – yeah, you're going to drain almost even faster every day, every time, faster, faster, faster. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. What What do you do when uh, you're dealing with just a, a stress case? Like when, when you're – some people it seems like, you know, are really good at the 3 to 1 ratio and others are really mm-hmm. good at the, you know, the 1 to 20 <laughs> ratio. So what do you do <laughs> exactly. when someone else is just a stress case? Yeah, I think, uh, and that's funny because we're never going to be able to, uh, those folks are always going to be around, um, you know, at our workplaces, and and we're always going to have to deal with people like that. And I think um, some of it is, you know, especially if, if, depending on how they're coming at you, is just asking them, hey, what's up? You know, how's it going? What's what's going on? You know, depending on what kind of relationship you have with the person, and, you know, maybe engaging in a little bit of a conversation to see maybe what's going on with them, because... I think one of the things that we could all stand to build a little bit more of is empathy for other people. Oh, so yeah. it might not be that somebody is stressed out and we sort of think maybe it's because of us, but they might be going through something or experienced something or just had a bad meeting or whatnot that is causing some of that. So it'll give you a little bit of a different perspective. Well, and sometimes too, you don't, you don't, just because they're sharing their stress doesn't mean you have to wear it, right? I mean, you, right. you can just say, hey, I can see you seem a little stressed. What's up? Let them vent it and just kind of emotionally be present with them. Try to understand the feeling, but you don't have to get sucked into it and and take on their. I think that's one thing a lot of guys feel like when mm-hmm. they know their wife is stressed and she starts venting. We feel like, look, I'll, I'll fix it for you. Quiet. Right. <laughs> be quiet. Right. Don't talk about I'll it. Let, let me just fix it. But we, right. you don't have to do that to be empathic, do you? No. Not at all. I mean, sometimes, and I think, you know, back to what you were just talking about, you know, in terms of your relationships, a lot of times all people want to do is just vent and want you to listen. Yeah, right. So just listening is, is going to be helpful for people. It really is. And that's, um, and I don't know if you've ever, have you ever heard of Patrick DeMare? No. So when I did a master's thesis on um, dialogue, 
He's a guy that in World War II, all of these soldiers were in the war, shooting each other, going through all this horrendous stress, and they were trying to give all these soldiers therapy, but the they didn't have enough therapists to do the therapy. So that's kind of where group psychology started forming, and they started putting these men, these soldiers, in these groups, and the, the soldiers would just come back and share their stories. And by mm-hmm. being able to share their story... It created um, this spirit he called of like brotherhood or fellowship that he called koinonia. And so koinonia is this really powerful um, sense of camaraderie that's healing. And uh, that's kind of the foundation of this group therapy. But that's also what you're saying here is one way to, to help somebody stress is to let them talk. And to create a kind of a healthy healing conversation around it, not even solving it, sometimes just allowing the ideas to come out of them. Absolutely. I love how you put that. Koinonia. Yeah. And I think it gets back to what we were talking about also with being so attached to our technology and focused on so many other things that I think we're missing a lot of opportunities during the day to have those moments with people. I, I totally agree. I mean, think of that. And just because I, I just find um, I, I kind of I don't filter well, is what my therapist says. And um, <laughs> she said, man, you don't filter enough. But what I find is I, like, I'm not afraid to talk to people on an elevator. Um, so if I see something, I'll say it. And when I say it, it's interesting how they open up and how you just create even a moment of connection with somebody that's fairly healing. By the way, there's other times that I just want to be left alone, so get out of my way. Exactly right. right. But, um, but I guess that's what you're saying is if we would put the technology away, we might actually have little healing moments along the way. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes if you're avoiding in your technology, you're probably not always healing. You're just avoiding. That is right. Man, this is tough, isn't it? It's not easy. It, you know what? It's stressing me out. Is that your purpose? Figuring out how to de-stress is stressing yeah. you out. It's so stressful how to de-stress. <laughs> what do you do for the person, um, Paula, that just feels like they're so behind? So this idea of – because what you're kind of talking about is a really cool way to start to um, get ahead. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people feel, well, that yeah, that's easy for Paula. She's young. She's smart. She's rich because she was a billionaire lawyer. No, no, no. But 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 everyone like we always kind of think everyone else could do it easier. What do you do to the person that is that almost feels too stressed to de-stress? Sure. One of the one of the things that I work with my coaching clients on a lot is sorting out with them what's urgent and what's important because yeah. I think we're confusing urgency for something being important. And everything has become urgent now. I remember um, I had a client who I worked with, and he gave me labels for the emails that he sent me. So if it was really important, he would call it nuclear. nuclear, I'm sorry, nuclear. (laughs) And then if it was even more important, it was super nuclear. Oh wow! And literally everything just became urgent and you start to lose perspective over what is really something that can wait and what is really something that has to be done now. So, you know, really sitting down with somebody or taking the time yourself to figure out what is actually urgent and what is important and focusing your time on things that are 
important. What would you say is the fastest way to get to the important? I mean, like, you had to have a really personal kind of evaluation, I'm assuming, to to walk away from all of this training, all of your psyche that was wrapped around your profession. I mean, you had to be fairly clear that you were in the wrong area. You were more maybe in an urgent world than an important world to you. Mm-hmm. What, what, oh, what, how, what are the questions that you use to kind of get there? Or what, what are the, what's the thought pattern you, you used to truly connect to what's most important? Sure. One of the things that I created for myself was something that I called the list. The list. So the list. I actually took some time, and, and you know, this is important too, I actually took the time. Yeah to sit and reflect through what were the things that I actually loved to do during my life? What were the things that I kept noticing gave me a lot of joy, gave me a lot of energy? And I used it as a starting point to kind of craft what is my purpose? Like, what am I here to do? What do I really want to do? What do I want to get out of my career? And that was huge for me. It opened up a lot of insight, which then opened up the ability for me to maybe approach some people and say, hey, I'm kind of interested in this line of work. I'm interested in what you do. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? And it was just building the scaffolding and the steps to lead me to positive psychology. Did you did you feel it as you were going, or did you, did you have the epiphany up front, or did you kind of just slowly kind of become converted to it as you got into it more? Yeah, no, it was a process. It yeah. was definitely not, you know, waking up one, one morning going, oh, this is what I must do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to join the circus. Yeah. Yeah, is that what it was like? I, Mom and Dad, appreciate the law school thing, but I'm joining the circus. Yeah. One of my friends calls it uh, waking up in Key West and wondering, how did I get here? <laughs> Isn't that? That's great, though, huh? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, well, Paula, we appreciate you. I mean, it really is. It's uh, it's it's pretty amazing and important stuff. If 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 we had to wrap it up, what's the one thing? Okay, we always call it the one thing that is the big thing. What's the one thing everyone should remember in order to to kind of not get sucked into the epidemic of stress? Yeah, just stay connected. Stay connected with people. Stay connected to your purpose. Stay connected to your values, and stay connected to the things that you love. Beautiful. See how easy that is? Stay connected. Yeah, people, you purpose, your passions. Uh, I also love to stay connected to the things you do well as well, huh? Absolutely. Good stuff. Paula Davis-Lack. Go to her website. Check it out. She is the stress coach. She will de-stress you. Uh, Paula Davis-Lack, L-A-A-C-K dot com. Uh, great stuff and articles there. Appreciate you again. We'll be back with more tools, ideas, wrapping up the show, taking some questions from the interweb right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Add BYU Radio's toll-free number to your phone contacts and be ready to chat with us anytime. Our number is 855-CHAT-BYU. Whether you add your opinion to the morning show or ask Matt Townsend a question, we want to hear what you have to say. Again, our number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. Call us. 
The classic movie Cleopatra is celebrating its 50th anniversary and is being released in high definition with the parents' look. I'm Rod Gustafson. Intrigue, sibling rivalry, opulence, and military might are all part of this epic classic starring Elizabeth Taylor as the Egyptian ruler Cleopatra, who uses all avenues to get what she wants. In attaining her objectives, Cleopatra has been known to employ torture, poison, and even her own sexual talents, which are said to be considerable. And she was no respecter of rank. On your knees. You dare ask the proconsul of Rome? I asked it of Julius Caesar. Don't be fooled by the G rating on this one. There are attacking armies, executions, bloody stab wounds, along with Taylor's barely covered posterior and other sexually suggested material. And there may be more fiction than fact in this historical movie. Check parentpreviews.com. Welcome back, you stress cases. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're trying to de-stress you a little bit. And uh, at this time in the show, we like to go to viewer mail, basically, except they it's on the interweb. A lot of people look at me like the interweb. Yeah, that was the uh, cool name for the internet before they decided to net it. We webbed it. And um, our very own Rob Sanders has found a question. Off and, the and it would be nice if they sent the question straight to us. But yeah. People get so much bad advice out there. I know. I just look at some of the replies that even this one got, and I just go, nah. It's It's because, yeah, this is just like a chat room. They're throwing out questions, and then everyone gets on there and like, destroyer, leave her. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the question? This comes from a couple both in their mid-50s who had previously each had previous marriages that lasted substantial amounts of time, uh, 20-plus years. They've been together post-divorce. They met after their divorces through what they felt were natural coincidence circumstances, kind of fate. It was neat. It was exciting. Destiny. Uh, And they've been through – been together for 22 months, gone through what they would describe as a honeymoon period. But now it feels like the relationship is dwindling and they're wondering if they're starting to get to a part where they would describe it as trouble in paradise. Interesting. Together 22 months – yeah, and, and the concern, too, is because they met so soon after their divorces, they both wondered whether it was a rebound yeah. or not. They they don't know it was possible. They never felt that it was. Isn't that funny? Like, rebound? I don't know. Uh, there's so much stuff out there. You could just be in love. And by the way, you could be in love with the first person you've dated since— you divorced your husband, and it could work. So anyway, people worry about a rebound. Okay, so let's go into this. Yeah, so he, so he <laughs> says it, it has filled the loneliness of a void in their life. Sure. But the, the excitement and the fun that, that came 22 months ago, it, it's just kind of progressively dropped off now to the point where they're concerned about the relationship. Absolutely. Okay, let's uh, first do this. First of all, let's normalize. This is what they call in psychology, normalizing. Hey, bud. Is it the guy or the gal that's asking this question? Uh, the guy. The guy. Hey, pal. Um, you're normal. Okay. The research shows when we are first in love, you have this really high chemical state of love. Okay. I call it yearning where everything is firing and you are saying, oh, my word, where has this beautiful lady been my whole life? 
research shows that lasts anywhere from six months to about three years. Ironically, our friend here is 22 months into the program. And about 22 months into the program, this chemical love tends to fade. It's nature's way of saying, okay, I've gotten you this far, pal. Now you got to pull your own weight, you lazy bum. And it makes you start having to no longer yearn to fill the love. So the love that we think when we're all in puppy love and we're all in this romantic love is we feel this sense of um, really high chemistry. I call it really low clarity meaning we have no clue exactly who we're married to or dating, okay? So here's the deal. 22 months in, uh, this man, I believe, is going through a natural, common, normal state of life where the chemistry's fading. It doesn't mean it goes away. It just means your love's no longer going to be just driven by pure chemistry. And now um, the chemistry goes down a bit. And as the chemistry goes down, almost always what goes up is clarity, So chemistry drops, clarity goes up. At that stage, that's the moment that I call, you're now entering the earning stage. Now, if you want a relationship to work, they're no longer free. If you want chemistry, you no longer just automatically get it. Now you actually have to plan a date. Now you actually have to talk. It's no longer just about kissing and being with each other. It's now you have to work at it, the love and the life isn't so easy. In fact, it's just exactly what our, our previous guest was talking about, Paula Davis Lack, who lost, who, who was a lawyer, finally made it. By the way, still yearning, I'm sure, for her job. She just came out of law school, was so excited about it. Life is so great. Oh, my word. I love it. I'm a lawyer. Chemistry's high. Eventually, just with our jobs, chemistry starts to fade and clarity goes up. And now she's left with a job. And now the job's not easy. You start to realize, I don't like this job. For every one of us, we go through these stages. First we yearn, then we have to earn. It's true with a baby. When you bring your little baby home, it's the cutest thing in the world. Oh, my word, I could kiss its face and bite its cheek. Then eventually um, the chemistry fades, and you're like, oh, my heavens, he stinks. Somebody needs to change that kid. Um, And then we have to earn it. So the same is true with this great couple, fifties in their 50s, second marriage, I wouldn't say – I wouldn't give up on this. I would say you're in a normal stage, but I'd recognize it. Don't expect to feel the this high kind of puppy dog love. Don't expect everything to be easy and perfect. Now we start working at it. This is where I'd start learning to talk. Oh, jeez. I'd learn to talk. I'd learn to – Build, pro, build through our issues or talk through our issues, build some solutions. One of the things that they probably need to start doing too is they need to start finding ways to connect. Um, when you're first yearning and chemically charged up, it's easy to connect with each other because your body's saying, let's get together. We got to be together. And our, it's driven by chemistry. Eventually, though, if you want a relationship to work, you have to have something else that makes it work other than just chemical attraction. Then you have to start earning it. That's where you have to start working for it, planning dates, thinking about how your partner wants to be loved, loving them their way, not loving them your way, loving them their way. And uh, even though you might rather not talk, maybe it means more talking. Maybe it means more um, service. Maybe it also means that I'm going to take care of you. Maybe I'm going to make you breakfast. One of the fastest ways I've found to fall in love and stay in love with another human being is serving them. This is where it gets a little weird. Because a lot of us sit there and feel like, why should I serve somebody that doesn't serve me? (sighs) Because you got to decide, do you want to earn it or don't you? If you want to earn it with another human being, you got to work for it. And when you work for it, 
it's amazing what happens. The more I work on a relationship, whether it's with my children or my wife or my team on the radio show or my parole officer, when I work on those relationships, the relationships grow. When I don't work on the relationships, I just hope that they're naturally going to keep working. Let me just give you a little advice on that. Don't ever trust nature to just keep working. Eventually, your chemistry fades. That's life. I mean, I wish it wasn't, but by the, end, by the time we're all done, all of our bodies are going to be done. Um, also, but love is something different. Relationships are something different. So I would say we've got to talk more. We've got to build some time to be with each other. When we're together, we've got to love our partner their way. Everyone wants to be loved differently. Some want touch. Some want talk. Some want time. Some want service. Some want gifts. There's a great book there called The Five Love Languages. I'd go check that out by Gary Chapman. And uh, I guess just to wrap it up, remember, anything in this life that's truly worth having, anything in this life that's truly worth working for, if you want it, quit waiting for everybody else in the world to do it. Quit waiting for the relationship to just work. You want something bad enough, you work it. We've got to stop looking for the right partner, and we've got to start being the right partner. That's the idea. That's the idea, folks. Thanks again for joining us. We're here at uh, BYU Radio, BYU Broadcasting, trying to help you see the good in the world. There is a lot of good out there. You don't just need to stress. Instead, start looking for the good. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.